Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. You know when you have two friends who've never met and you love them both so much and you're like, you guys need to know each other. That's how I feel this morning. And I'm super excited to have Amy Seifert on the show, but also to introduce her to you because I love you. I love her. It's just going to be so much fun. So Amy is the author of Grace Looks Amazing on You, and she's also on the teaching team at Brookside Church. And I met Amy actually through version because I listened to the verse of the day every day and she's on there like monthly teaching. And I was like, Ooh, I really like her. I need to have her on the show. So we're talking to Amy today about her book. It's called Starved, why we need a spiritual diet change to move us from tired, anxious, and overwhelmed to fulfilled, whole, and free. And the book is coming out on March 21. It's not even out yet. So we're getting kind of a sneak peek with Amy this morning and you can pre-order that book pretty much anywhere, like Target, Amazon. And to connect with Amy, just go to amycyfert.com. So Amy, take us to a, a really hard moment in your life and then opening up about that, being vulnerable and what that did for you. Yes. Um, so yeah, I talk about we are being starved by shame and we are starved for being the beloved, being God's daughter or God's son of the, the most high King. And for me, there is sexual abuse in my past. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of locked that story away. Mm-hmm. That happened when I was young and I closed it. I am not opening that door, but God had some healing for me to do. And, and that means vulnerability. That means coming out of hiding, bringing your story to light and man, our enemy hates light, Mm -hmm. um, but light is where the healing is. Right. And so to bring that to um, a, a few trusted friends and then a therapist was so healing. But part of that was sitting with God and asking a very difficult question that I avoided for weeks after my therapist suggested this. She asked me, have you asked God, where was he? And I said, I don't want to. And she said, I really encourage you to do that because you need a new story. You need to know that God, where he was. By opening Psalm 18 and sitting vulnerably in front of God, and saying, where were you? And he really brought a new story in mind using Psalm 18. It is as if he came and brought anger at injustice and protection and just wrote a new story for me. And that was just a transformative moment in my bedroom, on my floor, by myself um, on an ordinary Tuesday. And he was he began to rewrite that story for me. First of all, I just have to say, I'm so sorry that that is a part of your story. I can't not say that to you. Yes, um, thank you. Yeah. And also what you're talking about is so brave because I think the thing that keeps us from being vulnerable with God is the fact that what if you, what if you ask him that question and then what if he wasn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a, that's part of your journey with the Lord and growing in trusting him to get to the place where you can even ask those questions because the the answers might be worse than the mystery or the not knowing. Yes. And that's why I avoided the question yeah. for, for weeks. <laughs> that makes sense to me. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I, I think about Mary who came to Jesus and said, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't yeah. have died. But she stayed for the answer. And he said, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. And she brought her whole, you know, all her, her despair to him. And, and he spoke to her. 
Are you willing to share with us what the answer was when you asked that question? Yes. It was almost as if he said, I was there and here I am now giving you a new story. Like Mm -hmm. I was there. I am with you now. Yeah. I don't know how else to explain yeah. that. And and then rewriting that narrative. So even when I think about the abuse, I have a new story that comes to mind. What I'm hearing you say is that from Psalm 18, you heard from the Lord, I was there and it's okay for you to be angry about that injustice and that I'm concerned about justice. I think that's maybe a part of it that you felt like Lord was there and he's a God of justice and it's okay to, for you to be angry with that. And that was part of the healing journey was expressing your anger. Yes. And even knowing that if I had to walk through that valley, it's not wasted and he's, um, he's present with me. And even thinking about Jesus walking through the abandonment, the rejection the crucifixion and God bringing a resurrection, that there is a process. And I mean, if you read Psalm 18, he hears from his lofty place and comes down with hail and fire. And Psalm 18, 19 says, I am rescuing you. I have come to rescue you. Why? Because I delight in you. So it brought a, a, a fresh view of God's delight in me. And that, that word delight, I looked it up in the Hebrew and it's hapetz, and it means to bend toward someone. And so I got the privilege of having a new story of God bending toward me and saying, I'm bringing you out of this. You are not this moment. Mm -hmm. You are so much bigger as my delightful daughter. Yeah. And just like the father rescued Jesus through the cross, he rescued you through that horrible situation. Yes. A carrying through that I could see now the fullness of. I didn't know the fullness of his rescue. Yeah. He's, he's sweet and he's good. And, and now I have an experience with the father that I wouldn't trade because of Mm. that moment through his word and through my vulnerability and through his strength over me. Okay. That's all. That's just something only God could do. That it really is. (laughs) Honestly. There are so many good subjects that you go after in your book, Starved. One of them is about lies, the lies that we believe, you know, that we all have lies that we believe about ourselves and about the world. And it makes me think of, you know, where the Lord tells us in scripture that he's transforming us by renewing our mind. It's undoing the lies and like replacing them with the truth. What is one lie that you have believed that you've had to wrestle with? And how did you even know it was a lie? Yeah. So when I was a senior in college, I was involved in a ministry called Crew, formerly Campus Crusade. And I was paired with a male intern that was interning with the staff team. So he and I were paired together to create some Bible studies for sorority women and fraternity men. We were doing co-ed Bible studies together. So we met together and I was excited. I felt like God had given me a gift of teaching and communication and um, I had all my ideas. And I sat down with him and he said, okay, I've been thinking, what if you just brought the brownies and I brought the Bible study? Oh like my I did goodness. 
Hi. Hello. <laughs> right. He was a dumb young college student. Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Okay. We, that is 20 years ago. Yep. And I hope that he has grown and all the things, yeah. all the grace, right? Right. But it was a real defining moment for me. It was very disorienting. I mm-hmm. walked away from that meeting and thought, am I called? Am I, I've really had to answer that question since then. Mm-hmm. Am I a brownie baker or an, <laughs> am I a bringer of the word? Yes. You know? Like, yeah. And you can bring the brownies, but here's the thing: you you don't want me bringing the brownie. Like you want me. Oh, sister, I hear you. Yes. Yeah. Don't send me up for that. I saw this meme yesterday on, it was hilarious. I just have to tell you this. It was a side-by-side picture. And one is like, it's most women getting ready for guests. And there's like the charcuterie board and it's all fancy and stuff. And then the other next to it, there's this chick like pulling out some salsa and some chips. I was like, that's my girl right there. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So there's, there's so many problematic things about that moment, but I, again, it's another moment looking back because I had to sit and think, who am I? Mm. And again, God's word keeps showing up for me to say, I know who you are. Isaiah 61 says, I've called you an oak of righteousness, the planting of who? The Lord. I am not planted by man. I'm not called by man. I am planted by God. I am his oak of righteousness for his glory, his splendor. But that's been a journey to really find where's the lie, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what is the truth, um, and to walk that out. What would you say was the lie, like in one sentence? What was the lie? The lie was that I, as a woman, I'm not able to to bring the teachings of of God. Yeah. Yeah. And what comes to mind is 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul's writing to his young protege, Timothy, and he says... I know that you sincerely trust the Lord, Timothy, because you have the faith of your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois. So that's why I, I'm calling you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. That's for you listening right now, that God has given you a spiritual gift. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And fan it into flame. Amen. You also talk about the importance of experiencing God's presence. How do you, Amy, experience God's presence, like on the regular in your daily life? And then part two, can you take us to a moment when you just knew that you knew that you knew that you knew that you were in God's presence? You know, I had to unravel this weird little thinking I had that um, listening to worship music on a walk outside in nature didn't count as prayer. Mm. I had a picture of what prayer ought to be, and God has freed me. Talking to Him and experiencing Him can look a million ways, and I'm so grateful for that. So on the regular, I take 10-minute walks where I put someone else's singing over me to just help me know who God is and who I am when I feel anxious and stuck in my own self and overwhelmed and exhausted. So, so 10 minute walks around the block, I'll say, Hey kiddos, I will be back. And they, they know, they know I have a route (laughs) if they need to find me (laughs) and really just a walk with worship music, um, can really bring me out of a funk, Mm -hmm. bring me back to what is true. Yeah. And it's on one of those walks where I knew that I knew that I knew that God was there. The song by Carrie Job that is the blessing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ugh, just yeah. having that pour over me 
and really healing a lot of the need to to perform and prove myself or prove that women can do a thing or mm-hmm. and just letting God say I you don't have to prove anything you can stop you're mine and my face shines upon you and I'm blessing you I got a feeling about that song like it's going to really go places <laughs> I just, I just little, feel little that in my prophetic, bones. Little prophetic feeling you have there about that song. I don't know. It's just yeah. something. They're I just... love that. I love that because that song is about the presence of God being in front of you and behind you and beside you and you know all yes. around you. And it's like yes. you're listening to those words as you're actually it's being confirmed in your spirit that it is it is a truth. I love too that you have other people's songs. You know that you have them sing over you because. There are truths I can believe for somebody else. And I'm telling you, I can bring it home and wrestle with it on my own, you know, in believing it for myself. And so we need each other. And what a beautiful way to call on someone else to let them remind you of what's true when you're wrestling. Yes. 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 I feel like those worship leaders are are my pastors in so many ways. Tell us a little bit about your faith story and how you came to know Jesus. Oh, yes. I grew up a little bit in the church through Catholic faith and had some pieces in my brain. But then in the third grade, my friend shared the gospel with me at her house at a sleepover. And I was like, I want Jesus. I need him. And so for the next two weeks, I asked him into my life because I didn't know you just need to ask one time. And then I really grew in my faith through young life in high school mm-hmm. and then through crew campus ministry in college, but obviously the process of that, the growth part, but man, a little third grade friend named Katie, she was bold and brave and told me about Jesus. Can you share an experience you had with Jesus throughout that process where you just realized he was right there? He was showing you his love, like take us to that mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, there was this moment at Young Life Camp when I was 15. And the final night is when they they explain like our weight of the weight of sin between God and I and who Jesus is and what he did on the cross for us. And so we had some space to be under the stars at the lake. It was Lake Champion in, in New York. And I was sitting there. I felt like I was calling out to God, like, whoa, I have a weight. There was this moment where I felt like I got about 80 pounds lighter from my shoulders on up. Like everything was lifted and I felt so free and so loved and so wanted. And it just, I think back to that moment, a lot of Jesus saying, I've done it all. Mm -hmm. Like no more pushing to prove, pushing to try to control, to make yourself better. Like I, I've done it. Mm. Yeah. That's so, so important to grab a hold of because I don't know about you, but I can default into this performance thinking I've got to perform for God to get him to yes. love me. And that's, yes. that's still a part of, it's still in our hearts and we got to keep, I got to keep resetting. Absolutely. I think that was my first taste of grace and why then I I feel like I've been on a hunt for for grace everywhere and and what that looks like in our life and because I'm prone to want to perform. Yeah, me for too. me I feel like I'm more, you know, I don't ever feel like I had to earn God's love. I felt like I've always had God's love, but it's kind of like that scholarship that you have to like keep your GPA. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was felt for me like I know that I'm in and that was all God's grace, but man, I got to just not blow it because I don't want to yes. lose what I've been given. Yeah. And that's just another angle of performing, I yeah. think, right? For sure. hundred yes. percent. Yeah. Uh, what a great description. <laughs> you say that we've all experienced spiritual malnourishment. What has that looked like in your life, Amy? And when you feel like you're there, what do you do about it? Are there ways to avoid it? Because we'd all like to, you know, have that information. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when I think about the idea of being spiritually malnourished, I mean, when we're malnourished, you're just not getting enough nutrients, right? And you, you feel that. So over time, you're starving. And so for me, I can be malnourished by noise, the opinions of others, my own self-sufficiency, the shame, uh, just a lot of different things can bring malnourishment. And so thinking through each one of those areas, okay, what's a practice that I can switch from and try and, and replace what's really been starving my soul with, with something that's a nourishing practice. Mm -hmm. Can you describe one of those experiences? Absolutely. Yeah. So man, I remember, um, we, we made a major diet change for my son. He was diagnosed Mm -hmm. with Crohn's disease and this is kind of where the whole book idea came from because he was eating, but he was starving and we knew we needed to make a diet change because the inflammatory foods were just really depleting him. And I had taken everything out of my pantry and I'm, and I'm standing there and I'm looking at every spice and every, the, the back of food item. And I'm just overwhelmed. I'm, I'm just truly overwhelmed and anxious and I'm exhausted. And I had spent, you know, many nights staying up Googling, trying to research, trying to solve these problems. And I felt God say, you need to stop. Like, this is exhausting to you. Come sit, like practice silence in my presence. Let me speak to you and shepherd you. Put down the phone Mm. and pick up true connection with me for just five minutes at a time. And so that practice of silence has really healed my soul in a lot of different ways over Mm. the, the last couple of years. I can really identify with that. I got to take three weeks off at the end of the year and I was just exhausted at the end of last year. And I just sat in my sunroom for hours, literally hours and hours and hours over those three weeks, just meditating on God's word, thinking about God's word, soaking in God's presence. And the Lord just really healed me. I love that. It's beautiful. And it, <laughs> I think it's really hard to sit and be loved and to let yourself be loved and mm-hmm. not push and produce and tie your worth to some sort of like even trying to hear some like beautiful thing from God versus just sitting mm-hmm. and being loved. Mm-hmm. I think that's really hard. I want to talk about spiritual junk food. Yeah. So when have you found yourself eating spiritual junk food? That will explain what it is. And then how have you gotten that out of your diet? Can you take us to a a story? 
um, there's a lot of places where um, <laughs> I always think about spiritual junk food as, as that cotton candy that tastes like so yummy. And then an hour later, you're hangry and yeah. you're like, <laughs> just like, what was that? Yeah. And for me, often, you know, just feasting on my own self-sufficiency where I'm, I am working in my own power and I am running around like a crazy person and I am snapping at people that I love and I'm moving everything out of my way in a, in a hurried, a non-compassionate way. So when I'm just, yeah, self-sufficiency, I feel stuffed, but still starving. Mm-hmm. And if I can to find somewhere where either I can get on my knees or bow my head and just say, God, I admit my dependence upon you. I I confess that I have been relying on myself and I ask that your spirit would fill me and release me from the need to do it in my own power and fill me and lead me and direct me and guide me. There are a lot of self-help spiritual books too. Like you can do this. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, you, you can did, girl. <laughs> follow these steps, yeah. follow these steps and you'll, you know, you'll be filled up and it's not really coming from that place of dependency. You know, it's not, yes. it's not the gospel. It's not, Hey, you're powerless yes. on your own and you need God to fill you. It's you can do it. And it sounds yes. Christian. It does. It sounds really Christian, but I can't get over Jesus standing up and saying, if anybody is thirsty, like if you're starving, if you're hungry, come to me and rivers will flow from within. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about the power source, like plug yeah. in to the power source. You know, when your computer starts to die, you're like, I got to plug in. Yeah. Like, and that's the spirit. Yes. Yes. This is not pull yourself up by your own, you know, spiritual bootstraps, whatever those are, but, right. mm-hmm. but the spirit of God. All right. So this one's kind of hard. We all have our own work to do, but we're also meant to live in community with one another in such a way that we help each other to become holy, that we help each other to become like Jesus. And there's this real popular thing that's like me and my Jesus. And I just go in the closet and I just grow glory to God. When we see people that we love, people who are pursuing becoming like Jesus, taking in spiritual junk food, They've got this unhealthy soul diet. How do we challenge them in an invitational and winsome way? You know, I would go back to Hebrews 10, 25. I love that it says, let's not neglect meeting together as some have done. But why? There's a why in there. But but encourage one another. And so there's something about getting together with someone. And that encourage really is invitational because it's to infuse courage Mm into someone to say, Hey, I'm going to call you up. I'm going to call you higher. I'm going to say, Hey, I see, I see this. This doesn't seem healthy. It seems like this is starving your soul, but to bravely come together with one another and to infuse courage, that could be a hard word, but it also could bring courage to let go of something that is starving our soul and bringing malnourishment and then I've had people do this in my life. Like, Hey, I, I see this. Am I seeing this correctly? Do you want to take this to God mm-hmm. with, with all gentleness and grace seasoned, you know, with salt and kindness, but yeah, they brought a hard truth to me. And when you're talking about Hebrews, which is my favorite book of the Bible, when the author is saying, encourage each other, 
he's talking about encourage each other with the gospel, encourage each other with what's true about Jesus, because those people were drifting away from mm-hmm. the real Jesus and from the gospel and from Jesus being the final sacrifice and, and all that stuff. And so I think the best thing, what I want people to encourage me with is the gospel, is Jesus, yes. is the love of God for me, is who I am and the purpose that God has called me into. Yes, and that we are free from earning anything and we are free to yeah. be his workmanship. And yes, all the goodness. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800 968 8930. That's 800 968 8930.